0: It's all Hello, everyone.
1: This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 148 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And our episode today is a review of the Novartis and Alcon FCPA Enforcement Action. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Uh, Before we get started, here's a word from our sponsor, Steel Compliance Solution. Steel
0: Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steele's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steele partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steele's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steele's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, Investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, anti-trust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000.
1: Well, the uh, recent announcement of the settlement of the Novartis-Alcon FCPA matter uh, was a little bit of a surprise in the sense that, uh, you know, the Justice Department has been uh, quiet on the FCPA front. Uh, And maybe this indicates that some of the work that they were doing in the fraud section relating to COVID frauds uh, and other things that some of the regular work, in quotes, uh, maybe coming to, ba- to, you know, coming back. And maybe this was lined up to go earlier. And then when uh, COVID had hit, uh, there were other priorities, obviously, within the Justice Department. So, um, and so it's kind of interesting that we have this, uh, you know, this difficult time of pandemic, economic uncertainty, social unrest and uh, we have a major FCPA enforcement action come out. Uh, We're still looking for the uh, JP Morgan case to come out um, from Malaysia which is supposed to be like a two billion dollar case but there's appear to be some wrangling going on on the settlement. So let's talk about this one, Novartis and Alcon. Alcon uh, was acquired by Novartis in 2011 and then spun off in 2019. So this relates to the time period when Alcon was a Novartis uh, subsidiary and the misconduct continued. Uh, And Novartis agreed to pay a total of, and Alcon to pay a total of 345 million in criminal and civil penalties. Uh, Novartis and Alcon each entered into a deferred prosecution agreement. Uh, Novartis agreed to pay a fine of 225 million uh and uh, alcon agreed to pay a fine of 8.9 million this is in criminal penalties and novartis also entered into a settlement with the sec under which they agreed to pay a total of 112 million hence that's how we get to our uh 345 million a little bit more than that um The FCPA violations arose from Novartis and Alcon's uh, conduct in Greece and Vietnam, respectively, and uh, we'll go into that in greater detail. Let's outline the factors under the FCPA corporate enforcement policy, uh, which uh, this is done in each of the deferred prosecution agreements. For Novartis, Novartis did not receive voluntary disclosure credit. Uh, We'll talk about what Alcon did in a minute. Uh, Novartis received full credit for its cooperation, Uh, they conducted a thorough internal investigation, they made uh, factual presentations to DOJ, produced a lot of documents and also were able to navigate the foreign data privacy laws. Uh, Novartis also engaged in remedial measures, Uh, they obviously enhanced their compliance program, accounting, anti-corruption, gifts, travel, and entertainment uh, policies and procedures globally and at the country level, and enhanced controls relating to sponsorships to international medical congresses, which is going to be their their primary area of violation. Um, Based on Novartis's remediation uh, and compliance programs, DOJ did not impose an independent compliance monitor. Instead, uh, Novartis is going to submit regular reports over the three-year DPA period uh, to DOJ. Uh, and they also uh, noted and uh, is that Novartis is a recidivist in the sense that uh, Novartis resolved FCPA accounting allegations with the SEC uh, relating to similar conduct in China in March of 2016. So given the cooperation and remediation credit but because Novartis was a recidivist and involved in similar conduct DOJ awarded Novartis a 25% deduction from the midpoint not as not as usual from the bottom of the applicable sentencing guideline range so this probably had an impact of at least I would say 10 to 30 million at least uh, Alcon did not receive voluntary disclosure credit because uh, its disclosure was untimely and was made under imminent threat of disclosure to DOJ. In other words, uh, somebody else was going to come in and they were aware of it and uh, they rushed into DOJ uh, and to try to beat them. Um, Alcon received full credit for its cooperation. Uh, including conduct of a thorough internal investigation, factual presentations, and navigating foreign data privacy laws. Um, In terms of the remediation, everything was about the same as noted for Novartis, except there were site visits, audits, and risk assessments. Uh, And they also noted here that they terminated high-level executives and disciplined other employees, uh, and terminated its relationship with the third-party distributor, who we'll talk about in a little bit, involved in the illegal conduct. And uh, DOJ, again, no independent compliance monitor for Alcon. Um, and uh, they noted that it was serious conduct occurred over a three year period and involved senior level executives. So DOJ though, unlike Novartis, gave Alcon a 25% deduction from the bottom of the applicable sentencing guideline range. In other words, they, because they were not a recidivist like Novartis, they got a, a bigger break. So they're 8.9 million uh, settlement. Okay, Um, so let's go through uh, the bribery schemes. They're actually, they're chock full of lessons learned, which I'll tell you about later, uh, and we'll outline those. Um, But one thing that's clear to me is Novartis has incredibly weak corporate culture of compliance. I mean, the fact is that they had this 2016 violation, but, Remember, domestically, they've been under the gun for False Claims Act and anti-kickback prosecutions, um, and they have a real compliance and culture problem, whether it's domestic or international. Uh, and whether Novartis has made real and significant changes to its culture, uh, we'll, we shall see. Uh, it'll be clear of if something if, if they stay off the radar screen for the next few years. So the first area where Uh, and probably the bulk of the conduct involved Novartis, Greece. Uh, Between 2012 and 2015, uh, Novartis bribed the healthcare professionals at the government-owned hospitals and clinics in Greece. Uh, And the way they did this was they used uh, travel and sponsorships to international medical congresses, which we've talked about at length in other contexts is a huge risk for pharma and medical device companies. There were events that were held uh, in Europe uh, and events that were held in the United States, uh, and they uh, sponsored and sent the people uh, there—medical officials, healthcare officials—all um, in the with the intent to increase the prescriptions they wrote for Lucentis, uh, which is used to treat macular uh, degeneration of the eyes. So. Uh, the medical congresses were order organized by various medical associations, and in sponsoring them, Novartis paid the costs for attendance, airfare, hotel accommodations, and registrations fees. And the cost per individual healthcare professional was approximately six thousand per event. Now, of course, Novartis had policies, which was uh, you know for sending healthcare professionals, but the sales employees uh, circumvented those and paid. Uh, for these uh, fee for these uh, sponsorships to you know increase the uh, prescriptions for Lucentis, and the way they did it was they identified relevant healthcare professionals based on their propensity to prescribe Lucentis, and then quote unquote invested in them. What's incredible about this case is the amount of documents where it's just blatantly upfront in business planning. Uh, in the way that uh, they targeted these physicians, paid them, and then held the physicians accountable by monitoring how many prescriptions they were writing. And then there were certain physicians who had a lower potential and they would not receive any quote-unquote investments. So Novartis's corrupt intent was well documented. As an example, on September 27, 2012, the Lucentis brand team met to discuss sales strategy in greece and the minutes of the meeting has an inc- a specific reference to quote-unquote increased pressure in hcps HCPs being healthcare professionals and uh and indicated that healthcare professionals quote must understand that their participation in specific congresses in the united states and europe will be cancelled if sales performance is not improved significantly Conversely, the minutes indicated it would withdraw sponsorships based on poor Lucentis sales performance, meaning how many prescriptions the doctors wrote. In January 2013, Novartis employees reviewed a presentation entitled Action Plan KOLs, KOLs being knowledge leaders, referring to target key opinion leaders, including HCPs in Greece. The the strategy specifically referenced quote-unquote actions, including sponsorship to the U.S. Congresses, uh, to induce Greek physicians to prescribe Lucentis. As the action plan stated, and if you want to know the whole case right here, quote, to get, you must write. No presents anymore. Okay, so it's close quote, it's clear what was going on. And in a strategy document, Novartis Greece recognized that one of its competitors was sponsoring healthcare professionals to attend U.S. and Europe congresses. To respond to the competition, Novartis adopted a strategy to send approximately 10 physicians to congresses in Europe and the United States, four congresses. There were 10 Europe sessions and four U.S. sessions. Beyond the congresses then, uh, Novartis Greece made illegal payments uh, to healthcare providers in relation to an epidemiological study focused on blood pressure patient data as a means to increase sales of Novartis blood pressure medication. They paid healthcare professionals to gather data for this study and submit information needed to assess uh, the data, the uh, blood pressure occurrence. And these payments were made without regard to whether or not the healthcare professionals provided the information. They had to complete necessary forms as part of the so-called study. This was not a formal clinical study. This was a post-approval study. And many of the physicians who received the payments believe they were being paid to increase the number of prescriptions they wrote for Novartis, not for providing data as part of a clinical study. The Novartis employees in Greece falsely recorded all of the above described payments related to the International Medical Congresses and epidemiological study. Novartis Greece earned a profit of approximately $71 million from these illegal activities. Now let's turn to Alcon Vietnam. Uh, And this is uh, also a really interesting case in terms of uh, studying how a distributor is used yet again for funneling bribery payments. Between 2011 and 2014, Alcon bribed employees at government-owned clinics and hospitals in Vietnam with the assistance of a third-party distributor. Uh, Alcon was not allowed to sell its products directly to Vietnam uh, hospitals and clinics. Instead, they relied on a third-party distributor to sell the products. The distributor's business was focused on surgical and intraocular lenses, which are artificial replacement lenses implanted in the eye to treat ailments such as cataracts. Starting in 2007, Alcon and the distributor bribed healthcare professionals to increase the use of the intraocular lenses. Remember this started in 2007 before Alcon was acquired by Novartis. The bribery scheme was carried out with the knowledge of senior level executives in Singapore and Vietnam. And a total of 35 healthcare professionals, doctors, and nurses were identified for bribery payments. Uh, and they were calculated, uh, the bribes were calculated based on a flat fee per item ordered. In other words, the more lenses you ordered, the more uh, your bribery payment would go up. Using uh, a false uh, nomenclature, calling it a consulting program. Alcon and the distributor made bribery payments to healthcare professionals to uh, induce these increased sales. Uh, Alcon employees in Vietnam reimbursed the distributor for up to 50% of the corrupt payments by false expenses attributed to consulting, marketing, and human resource expenses. Alcon paid the reimbursement by credit notes to the distributor's accounts. Another warning sign, the use of credit notes as a way to uh, funnel bribery payments. In a July 21, 2008 document, the bribery scheme was targeted to influence doctors and nurses. Here again in the the documents themselves, which are cited in the statement of facts. Quote, doctors in the consultation room, doctors in the exam room, nurses in the consultation room, and the chiefs of the operating rooms in two specific eye hospitals in Vietnam. They listed who exactly they were going to target to influence. At its peak in 2011, Alcon paid approximately 200 healthcare professionals under the consultancy program. The scheme continued after Novartis acquired Alcon in 2011. And that's the key point. Novartis acquires Alcon and the scheme keeps going on. Alcon earned over 8 million in profits as a result of the bribery scheme. Some other interesting uh, country uh, conduct to look at, Novartis, South Korea. As part of the SEC settlement, it did not make it into the DOJ settlement. Novartis also agreed to improper conduct in South Korea and China, and we'll talk about China also. Between 2011 and August 2016, Novartis Korea employees made corrupt payments to healthcare professionals to increase prescriptions and sales of Novartis products. One scheme to make the improper payments was disguised as payments made for purported medical journal activities arranged by a third-party vendor. Healthcare professionals were paid to participate, for example, in roundtable meetings organized by a medical journal. The healthcare professionals were paid honoraria, ranging from 268 to 447 per event, and the amount of fees paid to the uh, healthcare professionals averaged $2,250 per journal. Novartis uh, Korea paid the medical journals, and you may think this is going to be a small amount, and l- listen to this, paid the medical journals over $16.2 million between 2011 and 2015, some of which was passed on to the healthcare professionals as uh, honoraria. In 2017, Korean regulators imposed an administrative fine for these activities totaling approximately 50.3 million and suspended Novartis activities for three to six months. Uh, in another scheme, Novartis Korea sales managers and employees paid sponsorships for H for healthcare professionals to go to international medical conferences. Uh, between uh, 2011 and 2016, Novartis Korea provided funding for 2,032 healthcare professionals to attend 381 international conferences at a cost of seven million dollars. Of those conferences. 645 healthcare professionals attended 112 conferences in the US at a cost of approximately 2.5 million. Novartis Korea falsely recorded these payments on its books and records. And in yet another scheme, Novartis Korea employees in the Neuroscience Business Unit devised a local non-interventional clinical study with 17 preselected healthcare professionals in order to influence them to purchase uh, Novartis products. The study was organized in May 2013 through a local medical journal, with Novartis Korea providing the list of healthcare professionals to participate. And they fought, Novartis falsely reported the expenses as advertising. Finally, Novartis China, and this is not a bribery, uh, uh, but for any accounting geeks out there, uh, including myself, uh, Novartis China uh, was an accounting errors or books and records issue and. Uh, that boiled down to revenue recognition. In 2011, Novartis acquired Alcon. From 2013 to 2015, Alcon placed surgical equipment at hospitals or clinics uh, for no or little money down in exchange for contractual assurances that those hospitals or clinics would either pay for the equipment or finance it over several years through payments associated with the purchase of Alcon intraocular products. This business practice was in place when Novartis acquired Alcon and used to facilitate long-term relationships with its customers. And this is not an unusual uh, occurrence. You see it in other indes- uh, other medical device uh, sectors where companies may provide equipment for free or at low cost as a way to get, to get their leg in the door or their foot in the door and then uh, use that as a means to leverage, let's say, product sales that go with the equipment. So starting in 2013, Alcon called these arrangements uh, equipment financing arrangements, EFAs, and certain managers used an aggressive sales technique and at times falsified documents in order to enter into these EFAs. Novartis started accounting for Alcon's EFAs as finance leases or sales, recognizing revenue upfront at the time of the placement. In other words, do do you recognize the revenue at the time you place the equipment into the facility, or uh, uh, do you, re- do you re- recognize the revenue along the years where financing payments or additional payments are made on top of sales prices for products? So accounting controls here were inadequate to ensure appropriate accounting treatment of the EFAs. And in late 2015, a new management team of Alcon conducted a com- comprehensive review of the equipment program uh, the on-site check wasn't completed in the summer of 2016, and they found numerous control deficiencies, including lack of formal signatures, some pieces of equipment were not located, and some equipment was obtained through forged or false contracts. Uh, and Alcon's EFA program was repeatedly cited by internal audit and compliance reviews for control deficiencies, and efforts to remediate the program were never successful, even though they had all these uh, identify problems with it, the problems in the accounting department uh, in the books and records continued on. Well, that's, uh, that's a good look at the Novartis and Alcon sort of facts, and I wanted to just go quickly through some of the, the sort of lessons learned. Um, look, Novartis is lucky. Uh, despite its 2016 SEC Enforcement Action given its weak culture of compliance uh, or let's call it a culture of non-compliance and its status as a recidivist they could have been slammed with a much stiffer enforcement action especially because they didn't voluntarily disclose this Uh, and they could have had an independent corporate compliance monitor and a much higher penalty uh, but Novartis navigated DOJ and the SEC well, uh, and it shows you the value of a robust cooperation and commitment to remediation. Now, we don't know exactly what they did to their compliance program, how well it's going to work, but as we say, time will tell. Uh, there's some other sort of more important issues I wanted to try to outline here. Few. Uh, the Novartis Alcon. Uh, Acquisition underscores, again, a point I've been trying to make over and over, pre-merger due diligence is important, but post-merger integration is even more important. So Novartis acquired Alcon in 2011. Alcon's bribery scheme in Vietnam began in 2007 and continued to 2014. So it's clear that Novartis never discovered the Vietnam scheme or in pre-acquisition due diligence, nor in any post-acquisition FCPA audit. It's likely that Novartis, frankly, did not conduct any meaningful pre-acquisition due diligence, uh, nor did it even conduct uh, a post-acquisition audit, since it would not be hard to detect the scheme in Vietnam, given the importance that the Vietnam distributor played in its overall sales operation. If Novartis had discovered the conduct in the post-acquisition audit, reported it quickly, to DOJ and remediated the problem, Novartis would have been in a much better position uh, to uh, get a more lenient sort of punishment. DOJ's, re- uh, re- and this is just a reminder, but DOJ's revised evaluation of corporate compliance programs, as I uh, we talked about last week in the podcast, highlighted the importance of post-acquisition integration FCPA audits. A risk-based approach to conduct conduct of these audits would easily have included a Vietnam, given its uh, reliance on a distributor. Companies have to ensure that post-acquisition audits include appropriate audits of third-party distributors in high-risk countries. Second point, third-party distributor monitoring and audits. Alcon's third-party distributor in Vietnam was responsible completely responsible for sales in Vietnam since Alcon was precluded by law from interacting with state-owned hospitals and clinics. Alcon's bribery scheme relied on the reimbursement of 50% of the bribes. The primary method for payment was the use of credit notes. And obviously, Alcon's accounting controls failed to include a review of credit notes to ensure that such credits were justified and adequately documented. Given the importance of the third party in Vietnam, Novartis should have implemented a high-risk monitoring program that includes regular meetings between compliance and the business partner, scrutiny and review of transactions, and auditing of accounts, including marketing allowance funds if there were, but discounts for sure, credit notes for sure, and other potential sources of funds for bribery purposes. Okay, another lesson learned. Healthcare professionals and medical conferences. Drug and device companies struggle with this issue all the time. We get questions on this. We provide advice on this. Foreign physicians continue to expect payment by drug and device companies for such expenses. Forward-thinking companies, however, have restricted such payments to sponsorships for a limited, limited, restricted group of healthcare professionals, those with whom The company has an established consulting relationship where the HCP's or healthcare professionals' attendance at the Congress is to specifically promote uh, or speak about medical education topics that are related to the use or benefit of a drug or device company's product. In other words, drug and device companies have to restrict such sponsorships to payment for legitimate relationships, not a general goodwill or positive influence expenditure designed to induce increased purchases of the company's products. Companies that continue to freely give out these sponsorship payments for goodwill and good business relationships are really likely to fall outside the bounds of permissible sponsorships. And if they're not adequately regulated, companies can quickly slip into a potential bribery problem. If the company implements a strict approach to such payments, the message will be clear that foreign healthcare professionals cannot expect and should not request abuse of such sponsorships. Last point, senior management involvement. Once again, Novartis and Alcon engaged in pervasive bribery schemes that were directed or known by senior level management. As always, the implication of this is clear for compliance officers. Uh, A C-suite and executive-level risk assessment and implementation of controls is critical. And uh, monitoring activities have to be done with regard to your C-suite. That's the only way you're going to avoid significant misconduct and enforcement risks. Uh, along with the all too obvious reputational damage. Lip service is often given to C-suite and executive level risks, but few companies, few compliance departments, if any, have the commitment, willingness, and support from senior management themselves to ensure accountability through the design of controls and auditing of C-suite activities. Uh, we make this point often and often, but senior level Uh, senior-level risks, C-suite risks, are significant. Well, that's a a review of a a really important and interesting enforcement action. There are lots of lessons learned here. I'd urge everybody to take a look at the documents. Uh, They'll be up on our website uh, in the blog posts uh, this week. Anyways, stay healthy, stay safe, stay in touch, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address and at volkovlaw.com. Where I am these days at the end of the line of the line maybe somewhere down the road when somebody plays to be here. Happy to feel that. The of the line, of the and it don't matter if you're by my side. At the end of the line, I'm satisfied. Well, it's all